Hello and welcome to the Alien Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we carefully dissect the movie Alien one minute at a time. I'm John Engel. And I'm Mitch Bryan, and today we look at Minute 33, which begins with Kane continuing his descent and ends with uh, him falling and Dallas asking him if he's all right. We're joined again by Caitlin Horseman. Welcome back. Thank you. John, did you want to start with this? I guess we could talk a little bit about something that was cut from the original idea of the movie. Um, in Dean O'Bannon's original script, where this is, which was the seed of all of this, uh, there's quite more of an extensive discovery of this uh, of this breeding temple. They find the space jockey. The space jockey is apparently etched. Well, I'll just read it from this book okay. about, instead of me trying to. Okay, so this is from the Paul Scanlon, Michael Gross book, The Book of Alien. It says, as in the final version, the Nostromo search party finds the derelict ship and, re- and the remains of its pilot. But that's all, except for the space jockey has managed to scratch the image of a triangle in its dashboard, apparently his last act. The searchers return to the ship mystified. A short time later, the planetoid's endless dust storm has briefly settled and the crew can see a huge pyramid on the horizon. Another crew is sent to explore. They scale it, find an opening in the top, and a volunteer lowers himself down the hatch and finds a giant chamber that seems like a tomb. Uh, There are hieroglyphics, and this, of course, is where the alien spores, as it's called here, which we know as, as eggs in the final version this is where the so this is where the breeding chamber is found so this is a good cut right to cut this scene out of the movie i think so i think uh my opinion we're, we're continuing this theme of talking about the physiology of the ship and what it implies um i think that stepping outside the ship having this birthing chamber in another location would have completely undermine that i think that having it all self-contained obviously good for production um, it, it, I don't think that set ever would have been built, for instance. This, I think it would have had a hard time getting the money together for that one. So The script des- describes the day as, a, as a, a bright, clear day. Right. You know, and that's one more thing that would completely destroy the, the fear, the tension. I, I think that O'Bannon's script is a science fiction movie with horror elements. Yeah. And, Ali- and Alien, as it exists now, I think is a horror movie with science fiction elements. Would you, would you buy that? Kevin? Yeah, I would agree. Just the way that the narrative works and all of its kind of obsessions are very, very tied to both genres, but more to horror, um, particularly in the moment that it's released. You were saying something about the perspective of that mat shot in the previous and then just in general, the sort of sense of scale. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so the matte shot, the dissolve shot, um, we get this shot that is from nobody's perspective in the film, right? It's from the perspective of the film because it's such a long shot and we see the ship, which they couldn't have seen, which, which the film very insistently points out, right, in that long, in the big chamber. And then we get an unusual shot, which is a point of view shot where we see the helmet. Um, and so we really get this sense of perspective um, and comparison between the exterior of the ship and then the um, experience of being there. Um, So, you know, again, we as the audience have a much different and bigger understanding of what's actually happening than the characters in the film do. And that puts us in this position of, it's sort of a sadistic position that the audience gets to be in, in that we know more than they do and we can maybe take pleasure in that, right? Right. And so we are much more aware of the danger or the possible danger that they're going back with than the crew is. Um, and it's interesting that, that that perspective is aligned with Ash already yeah. um, in, the, in the film. 
I guess I should also mention the uh, the strange blue light that is hanging above the eggs. Right. That was a laser display that was designed by Anton First. I guess Ridley Scott had seen one of his laser shows. Anton First would then go on to become a production designer in his own right, and he would do the 1989 Batman movie, among other things. Uh, but the fact that it's a hard physical effect, that, that it is sort of a smoked-up room and with, with actual lasers blasting through that light, seems to me to make it all the more believable. Yeah. We're not fighting with mat lines or anything like that. It's it's right it's right there, and his his hand goes goes through it. Yeah, there's a nice little consistency. The the wide mat shot, you get a hint of it through the center of the frame. So when we see it here, it matches nicely. And um, yeah, I buy this 100%. It's there. It's not a manipulated image here. I'm I believe that Kane is walking through this laser, and I got to say, Kane here. I I got to speak again to Kane, his cavalier. Behavior. He's he really kind of seems more like an archaeologist here, don't you think? Than a the exo of a mining ship. He seems to be have no problem exploring and finding these. When he describes these as leathery objects, as soon as I saw, if I were in an alien ship and I saw leathery objects, I would not be so relaxed about it. I think he's the, his bravery is very much on display here, and then his his he's more of a scientist in a lot of ways than. Even then, Ash seems to be behaving most of the He's time. He's driven by curiosity. He's very much, this is the most curious character on the on the Nostromo, for sure. Thank God Brett wasn't leading this expedition. Yeah, yeah well. <laughs> yeah, he's, I think, uh, maybe hasn't seen enough science fiction or horror movies to know to step away from the eggs. Yeah. <laughs> John, you said something about the sound. Uh, you wanted to mention something about the sound when, when his hand goes through the, the, sure. the blue beam. Well, we get this idea, and Caitlin, you were saying something as well about the sound mix here, but I'll just talk to the lasers. Um, so the, the laser has a sound he, that he refers to that it seems to be uh, some kind of an alarm system or something, and, and it sets up something more for the next minute, actually, but I think there's more to this. Like, it, Okay, so it's reminiscent, having a little beam of laser is reminiscent of like a, a Pink Panther movie or something where, you know, the... The jewel thief enters the museum and, you know, has to manipulate uh, their way around the laser alarm. But I think there's more to it. I think it's more complicated than just an alarm system warning. But, Caitlin, what were you saying as well about the... So, yeah, in in a moment when point of view is so um, insistent in the image track, we get the sound of breathing in um, in the sound mix that's not aligned when he talks with the way that he would be breathing when he's talking. And so it's this kind of ambivalent breathing, whether it's part of the non-diegetic music mix, it's hard to tell, or if it's happening in the space. And so it sort of asks this question about, you know, is there someone else here, um, I think, in a really interesting and subtle way. Yeah, the way that I think we remarked that when somebody goes into the room on the ship where Mother, uh, there's a breathing sound in there, the film is loaded with heartbeats and breaths and all sorts of organic kind of sounds that seem to be attributed to non-organic things, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Kane has a little slip and fall here at the end of this minute. It's a, I, nicely, it's a nicely executed fall, I think. He yeah, I, was, I wondered if it's not two cameras because it seems fairly perfect and the, the angle of yeah, the angle of perception is 
pretty close. So that may well have been an A camera and a B camera shot. I don't know. Yeah, and I love this, the, both the movement and the cut, because it really foreshadows the... We have this highly ordered set, right, with the everything leading up to this. And then when we get to the eggs, they aren't ordered, right? They're kind of in a random alignment, and the, the fall really sets us up for that. Yeah, that's great. So we, we leave this minute on a cliffhanger, an egg or, hanger. Or, or cliff falling off or yeah. whatever you want to put it, yeah. Do you have anything else? Mm-mm. All right. Well, you can find us at alienminute.com as usual. And you can also go to iTunes and subscribe to us or the Stitcher app. Uh, we're there as well. You can follow us on Facebook at our Facebook listener page or at, at Alien Minute Pod on Twitter. Uh, so that does it for Minute 33. We'll see you tomorrow for Minute number 34.